Good day, and welcome to this year's episode of the Masterpiece Theater, in which our accomplished actors recreate some of the finest video game scenes of 2015. I'm your host, Kelly Wand. We begin with Need for Speed, a racing game unafraid to tell a character-driven story. In this scene, our mute protagonist, POV, meets Amy, the mechanic, whom you know is a mechanic because she's wearing overalls, and Spike, the douchebaggy hipster who wears a baseball cap with the brim angled slightly to one side. Jason McMaster will be reading the role of Amy, (laughs) and Tom Chick will be reading the role of Spike. (sighs) It's West Wing all over again. Let's listen. Come on, Ames. I just need you to listen to it. Make sure she's purring like she's supposed to. Hey, what's up, man? Come on. She's she's parked just outside. Spike, like I said, I got guys with no trust fund paying full price for this, so... Really? It's like that? It's like that. Wait here. He hands her a piece of paper with the letters IOU printed on it. There. Wow. Wow, I feel so much better now. You know I'm good for it. You know that. You mean you know your dad's good for it. She punches him playfully. Easy. This jacket was like 1200 bucks. Exactly, man. Oil, man. Don't matter if you're the best damn driver this side of the 101. As far as she's concerned, it don't mean a thing if you ain't got that green. It's very poetic, and that is also true. So... Wasn't that something... Now we turn to the scene from The Witcher 3 when Geralt and Yennefer have sex on a unicorn. Geralt will be played by Jason McMaster. Yennefer will be played by Tom Chick. The unicorn will be represented by a stuffed horse with a tapered candle on its nose. Damn, I tore a hole in my dress. Wait a minute, I must mend it. You know how to sew? Please, I enchant a needle. When are you finally going to burn this piece of junk? My heart couldn't take it. So many memories. Damn it, Geralt. Do you have any idea how much they cost? Come here. We gotta hurry. Crack's waiting. Is that so? Yin, let go of the mane. I know you. I let go. You throw us off. Don't even try. My, oh my. I missed you. I missed you, too. We ought to get back to the wake. I must dress. Turn around. And now Jason McMaster will perform a scene from Destiny that needs no introduction. The Hive haven't been on the Earth in centuries. That wizard came from the moon. I thought we had them contained there. The darkness could be a lot closer than we think. Delightful. In this scene from Mad Max, Mad Max, played by Tom Chick, rescues a wounded dog from the hunchback chum bucket, played by Jason McMaster. The dog will be played by an actual dog who will be sitting quietly. Let's listen. Chum bucket will dismantle you quite gently. It ain't for eating. It's you. Valve allows life inside the other gives birth. Struck ablaze by godly plug igniter. Revolution about revolution rejoice. Please don't kill Chumbucket. Please! Why shouldn't I? 
Because I know you, yes. I spied you in the long lookers. They left you for blowflies, then they snatched your ride. And now you'll be looking to snatch you back. That's what the prophecies say. You're the driver. That's right. Then Chumbucket is your man. I'm your man. Yes, yes, I am. I have a vehicle that can take you to your car. I do, Saint. That's right. She's not running now. Sorry for that. I came here for the parts. Easy. I have a black finger. I can make it work again. And the dinky do too. She's going to need an overhaul. Don't go astray. No, I won't. I know you'll find me and dismantle me. I know. Chum Bucket's not stupid. Dog's bleeding out. I can fix it. But I deem my best work in my sanctum. First the car. I need to wire fix my buggy. But then I can show you where they look the black on black or they die. And where do I find the wire? Up that path. But before you go, grab some grit, Saint. You must be running on fumes. Nom, 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 nom. Now we turn to Metal Gear Solid Five, The Phantom Pain. <laughs> That's the title of that? In this forgettable scene... We meet Quiet, who doesn't have any lines. Jason McMaster plays Snake, and Tom Chick plays the other guy. She uh, refuses to wear clothes. The last staff member who tried to dress her is breathing through tubes. Other than that, she's completely cooperative. She understands English, but she never speaks, sweats, or breathes. What? Well, not with lungs, at least. She breathes through her skin. Clothing would suffocate her. Showers are okay, but she can't be submerged. What's wrong with her? She's drinking through her skin. She's okay? She's okay. She just can't move when she's taking in water. Look, see that? She hasn't eaten a thing since she got here. She doesn't eat either? Never. It's photosynthesis. Photosynthesis. That's the verdict from the medical staff? No, the jury's still out. But it's the only explanation for what we've seen. The Gru had a man with that ability in the Cobra unit. We don't think she's contagious, but some of the staff can't stomach her. It's starting to affect morale. Can't you send her on a mission? By herself? No. But as you know, she does have skill. Why not take her out with you on one of your missions? She seems to like you. Of course, only if you think she'll be useful. Next time you go out, you keep her in mind. Fallout 4, the landmark underachievement from Bethesda, begins with a sales call. We recreate it here with Tom Chick as the Vault Tech representative and Jason McMaster as the Chick, if you play a Chick. Good morning. Vault Tech calling. Sarcastic. Vault Tech, remind me again? Why, we're about you, ma'am, and helping secure your future. You see, Vault Tech is the foremost builder of state of the art underground shelters. Vaults, if you will. Luxury accommodations, where you can wait out the horrors of nuclear devastation. You can't begin to know how happy I am to finally speak with you. I've been trying for days. It's a matter of utmost urgency, I assure you. Sarcastic. What's so important? Why, nothing less than your entire future. If you haven't noticed, ma'am, the country has gone to heck in a handbasket. If you'll excuse my language... The big kaboom is... Well, it's inevitable. I'm afraid, and it's coming sooner than you may think, if you catch my meaning. Now, I know you're a busy woman, so I won't take up much of your time, time being a precious commodity. 
I'm here to tell you that because of your family's service to our country, you have been pre-selected for entrance into the local vault, Vault 111. Sarcastic. Oh, sounds great. Oh, it is, believe you me. Now, you're already cleared for entrance in the unforeseen event of total atomic annihilation. I just need to verify some information, that's all. Sarcastic. The apocalypse? Well, hell, sign me up. That's the spirit. Strength 23, perception 1, endurance 1. No, 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 strength 19, endurance 4, charisma 1, intelligence 1, ability 1, luck 1. That's good. Wonderful, that's everything. I'm just going to walk this over to the vault. Congratulations on being prepared for the future. Of all the games to come out in 2015, Arkham Knight was the most Batman. In this dramatic sequence, Batman reunites with his arch-nemesis, Poison Ivy. Jason McMaster will be reading the part of Batman, a role he originated in the off-Santa Monica production of Batman, Bring on the Night. Tom Chick will be reading the role of Poison Ivy, which he understudied for Tina Sheedy, Ali Sheedy's sister. Let's listen. What are you doing here? Why did Scarecrow lock you up? No, hello. Tell me. And what if I don't want to? Then I burn every plant in Gotham. Well, it started with the meeting. What meeting? Everyone was there. Penguin, Two-Face, Riddler, even poor Harley. Scarecrow said he had a plan that together we could take you out and Gotham would be ours. Over my dead body. I believe that was the idea. I told him that I wasn't interested in his pathetic human games. And when I came to, I was locked up in that room. It's such a shame that his vile toxin has no effect on me. Nature always wins. You're coming with me. You only had to ask. They hear the sound of an explosion. What's wrong? We need to leave. The master of understatement as ever. Oracle, I need to know where those tanks are coming from. Activate the Batmobile weapons diagnostics. It's time to go to war. And now Tom Chick will perform a monologue from Dirt Rally. Here he is in the role of co-driver. Five, four, three, two, one, go. Right four, long 60 over bump, left six, and right five, long over crest, continues past junction, left three through gate towards splash, left four, into left six, over jump, to caution, left three, continues, over jump, right one, long, tightens, don't cut, caution, keep mid, over jump, left six, into right three, long, left forty, into acute left, Right five, continues to eighty, over crest, tightens to three, into left five, over crest, continues, left six, right six, keep left, over jump, maybe, right five, long, into caution, left six, big jump, left turn, tightens into one, over crest, sixty, to finish.
Finally, we close with this selection from Spike Lee's NBA 2K16. Tom Chick will play the role of Freak, and Jason McMaster will play the role of the owner. Me and Vic go way back, like the front seats of a 67 Cadillac. <laughs> we go way back. Did, did, did you say the, the front seats? Yeah, front, front seats of a 67 Cadillac. We go way back, like the front seats of a 67 Cadillac. Well, Chimney Crickets, I'm going to be the hit once again at Herbie Allen's Sun Valley Shindig, because my fellow billionaires love it when I walk and talk that talk. Sir, that almost sounds... uh... No, let me tell you exactly what it sounds like. I respect, admire, and most importantly love you as a human being and a role model, but I pay you a lot. And I mean, I pay you a lot of money to play for my team. And I'm going to win, I, and I'm in this game to win it. And you can't win it with an albatross around your neck like Vic. So Vic is done. History. And here's some more lingo that I picked up from a former megastar who used to play for me several seasons ago. Thought I would never release him until I did. And now he's a six man on a struggling team in Venice. And yeah, I'm talking Venice with the canals and the gondolas and Harry's Bar. Not the street ballers next to the fortune tellers on the beach in Cali. This guy used to tell me when he thought he was a, there was a player destroying our team. Don't be a hero, cut that zero. And that is what I'm telling you about Vic Freak. Don't be a hero, cut that zero. The only thing that Vic brings into your life is headache and unwanted and unnecessary negative attention. And it will begin to affect your mindset. And when it affects your mindset, it's going to affect your play. And when it affects your play, it's going to affect my team. When it affects my team, it's going to affect my money. And it affects my money, Google Translate will become your new freaking friend. I want a championship ring, freak. I want you to help me get that ring. And banners after banners hanging from the rafters in this arena. So, freak, hear me clearly and hear me good. V, G, G, Vic, gotta go. Handle your business. And remember that contract you signed contains a morality clause, a very important clause that revolves around your conduct on and off the court and how it can negatively impact my team. Now, I don't want you to have to learn Italian or Croatian as a second language. And, hey, play pro balls overseas. There's nothing wrong with that. But the arenas are nothing like this, nor will the money be the same. And on top of all that, this is the U.S. of A., the greatest freaking country in the world. Ask yourself, is Vic worth all that? Think about it. Think long, think wrong. And thus the curtain falls on this year's McMasterpiece Theater. I have been your host, Kelly Wand. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next year for McMaster Peace Theater 017? 16. One of those. It's going to be a year from now. Yeah. Hello. Welcome to the Quarter to Three Games Podcast for... Late January, almost February 2016. My name is Tom Chick, and my game of the week is not Diablo 3. And I'm Jason McMaster, and my game of the week is not Diablo 2. Well, whose is these days? Well, right, sure. Is there actually any reason to go back to Diablo 2? Like, is there anything in Diablo 3? I guess some people like the whole idea of. Like having to put a point into a skill and be totally locked into that skill forever, right? Yeah, it's. Uh, I guess there's really not as much point, no. Uh, specifically since they changed Diablo 3 so much to actually reflect Diablo 2's values a lot more. Uh, Although, actually, I bet I know McMaster. I bet some people are, are uh, like Diablo 2 apologists in that 
they they don't want to be playing like online. Like they're still doing land games. They want single player offline play. I imagine for that reason, maybe there's some Diablo two holdouts. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, the online only thing could be kind of a pain, but whatever. You know. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's a sign of the times that that battle's over, kind of pretty much. It, uh, yeah. yeah, it pretty much is. There's no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of online only, though, McMaster, and speaking of Blizzard games. Good Lord, what have you gotten me into? Oh, nothing. <laughs> oh, nothing. <laughs> well, I was a little bit, not disappointed, but... So we've been playing the StarCraft II... Uh, no, uh, wait, don't tell me. Oh, shoot. Har- StarCraft II Legacy of the Void? Is that right? Yes, yes. Oh, my God, I can't believe I pulled that out of my hat. Uh, you got the it. Protoss expansion. Um, but actually, we're... we're I, I realize this. I think I mentioned this to you, McMaster. We're not technically playing the Protoss expansion. Like, what we're playing, everybody gets in the latest StarCraft II patch. The co-op is, if I'm not mistaken, a feature just added to StarCraft II, whether you buy Legacy of the Void or not. Um, so we're doing something that... But I didn't even have to get Legacy of the Void. Now I'm just got, I've got a, a Protoss campaign sitting on my hard drive that... I couldn't care less about, uh, but we've got the co-op that we're playing. Yes, yeah. I didn't know that you. Uh, I didn't know that you at first, of course, that you didn't have to have the game to play the co-op. Uh, I do well, enjoy making you have the Protoss campaign on your hard drive. Well, as as I'm sure you're the same way. I mean, if Blizzard's going to add new content, I, I, I want it. I mean, even if I'm never going to play it, yeah. I would hate to think. That every time I boot up StarCraft Two, there's something, and I'm doing air quotes here, something missing. Like I, you want everything Blizzard puts out, right? Like, like you don't, you, you don't, you don't play Diablo Three anymore without the expansion, right? Like that would be, that, that would be incomplete. That would be like driving a car without upholstery in on the interior. Uh, that's a terrible analogy, but I think you know what I'm getting at. Uh, yes. So, and also. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Heart uh, no, Ted Gummit, Legacy of the Void yes. adds new units to each race, correct? Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. So and I I, I tried a skirmish game with the Zerg. I'm because there's three types of people actually there's four types of people in the world. There are Zerg players, Terran players, Protoss players, and uh, people who don't play StarCraft two. Yeah. Like those are everybody fits into one of those categories. Yeah. McMaster, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't want to be presumptuous you're a Protoss player, right? Yes. Yep, I'm a Zerg player. Um, and Yeah, so I started up a skirmish game with the Zerg, and I just was playing against the Easy AI so I could look at like what the new unit is. And as far as I'm concerned, it's this crazy micro-oriented unit that I will never build or use. Uh, so once again, something from Legacy of the Void that I'm not sure I necessarily need. Uh, oh, yeah. What's the new... Do you know what the new Protoss unit is? No, I don't. Just like right off the top of my head, honest. Well, and one of the reasons we don't is why don't you explain what this co-op mode is and how it's nothing like playing an actual skirmish game. So this uh, co-op mode, you choose a commander, and that commander only has a certain uh, set of uh, units available to him. And mm-hmm. as you level up... Or her, or her, or McMaster. Her, I won't have any of this sexism. Oh, no right, sexism yeah. on this podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Kerrigan is in there, right? Um, that's right. So... And we don't, we don't know what gender the Zerg are, by the way, do we? Like, our, well, uh, Kerrigan's a uh, Terran-turned Zerg, but do Zergs have gender? 
Or aren't they like earthworms? I think they're, yeah, I think they're like earthworms. Are there any chick protosses? Like, are there girl protosses? Um, I don't Or are they like dwarves where they're all dudes? I can't really remember any female protoss now that I think of it. Okay. All right. Uh-huh. So, right, so there is, uh, oh, and Sergeant Hammer. Oh, but she's not one of the playables. So, so you're right, so maybe Kerrigan is the only chick. So I'm sorry, I interrupted you for the sake of, uh, of equal, equal rights for different sexes. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. So, uh, what we've been playing, you choose a, you choose a commander, that commander mm-hmm. is a subset. As, uh, as that commander levels, the bonuses, uh, you get bonuses to each uh, unit, etc. Um, now... Also, there's like a control bar at the top of the screen, and it's kind of different depending on who you're playing. Like, I know mm-hmm. Kerrigan and Zagara have physical representations in the world, whereas, like, uh, Jim Rayner has the Hyperion, the big battleship, and, uh, like, the, the mechanic guy, you know, he has... Uh, Oh, yeah, something. But, uh, but otherwise, like, Jim Raynor isn't present. He's not right, on the battlefield. Right, he's, he's, he's not in control. Yeah, yeah under the, directly under the player's control. So, like, his where, power- where is he, by the way? Is he just hiding in one of those little, uh, those little uh, Terran refinery base things? I, you know, know? I, I think he's on the Hyperion, honestly. I oh, so he's in orbit. Oh, so when yeah. you call the Hyperion down, he's, te- he's driving yeah. it. Right, I think that's it. Okay. Right, so that's All about right. as close to fiscal as you get for him. But like, so the the the, the people like uh, Kerrigan and Zagara that are on the field, the, their powers kind of take the form of abilities for the characters. Uh, whereas, like a hero unit, right? Whereas you know, if you play any of the other uh, troops, as far as I know, I, I don't think there are any phys- other physical representation ones. Um, they're they're they, like god powers that you can right, call into this. Right, mm-hmm. template drops, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, and, you know, you play uh, as a team uh, against an AI uh, player um, that is and trying to take over an area or something or other in a scenario. And I would say that you're not even an AI player in the sense that that's what happens when you play a skirmish. You're actually, you're mostly playing oh, yeah. against script. You're playing against scripting, I would right, say. Right, yeah, it's a timed event, really, is more than anything. Right, yeah. Yeah, like timed or set waves that spawn... Um, so, yeah, kind of like horde mode <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. For, yeah, and, and they do, kind of like in Heroes of the Sto- Sto- Storm, uh, all these Blizzard subtitles, I can't keep them straight, yeah. kind of like in Heroes of the Storm, with the different maps, um, they have different flavor for the different co-op missions. Uh, they they try to make them play a little different. Right, way. and uh, and that's what you get here. You know, there's there's capture points, there's destroy, there's right. there's wave survival. Uh, but uh, it, I guess the other part of it is, you know, as you go along, you can level up your character, and they get the, they get extra stuff, and you can level up each character, which is kind of cool. Um, they all work together and kind of. Different ways, some better than others, I think. But uh... well, that, that I think is the main draw of it is that any character you pick is going to have very limited. Uh, if you wanted to put it in a negative way, you could say limited. If you wanted to put it in a positive light, you could say focused. So right. each character will have very limited slash focused abilities. Um, and the idea is you can never play these single player solo. You must always, always, always play them with another human player. And you can go online for the matchmaking, play with some random Yahoo, or, like you and I have been doing, McMaster, you can join in a party with one of your buddies and play that way. Because the point is, because your your build options and your powers are so limited slash focused, you need another player to complement what you're doing, to take up right. the weaknesses. 
So, for instance, in games that we have played, uh, a lot of times I'll just do crazy little zergling swarms, and which can't shoot anything in the air, and you'll take care of anti-air stuff with your right. little Protoss spider shooter dudes. Um, so it encourages that kind of a simple gameplay, but b codependence. Um, right. And the cherry on top is you mentioned that leveling thing. When you first start with a character, very limited options, but each time you go up a level, it adds like a, as you mentioned, like a, it improves one of your abilities or it changes one of the abilities that one of your, your units has. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's super addicting. Like we'll, we'll play and just be really close to going up a level. And even though maybe we feel like we're done for the day, it's like, well, let's just play one more and ding up that next level. Yeah. Yeah. You might as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. yeah that it's a lot more. Uh, it, it's a pretty good time. Uh, it's it it surprised me. They've they've done a lot of interesting things in the last few years. Blizzard has. Uh, they've been branching out, and most of their branch outs have been really successful. So it's kind of strange. Well, they're so good at making me do things that I never thought I would want to do. Like, yeah. you know, Diablo three came out, played the heck out of it, and I was like, okay, that's great. I I'm really kind of done with the grind. I'm not interested and. They add in the the Reaper of Souls or whatever expansion, and then you're like, oh god, I'm back into it. And then they do the 2.0 loot upgrade, and the you know they put mode. out Heroes Adventure Mode. Oh my god, exactly, McMaster. Uh, they'll put out Heroes of the Storm, and I'm like, I'm not into playing the MOBA, but I'll give this a shot anyway. And suddenly I'm playing MOBAs for a couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> and same with StarCraft. It was like, you know what? I wasn't really into the Zerg campaign. The campaigns I'm not super into. Uh, the, the little co-op thing they added with Heart of the Swarm was kind of interesting, yeah. so I played that a bit. But then I thought, I'm I'm done with StarCraft too. And then this comes out, and you talk me into getting back into it. And, and frankly, McMaster, I just did it to humor you. Uh, I know. But yeah, but I'm enjoying it, and I'm suddenly like, oh my god, I'm playing StarCraft two again. Jesus, Blizzard, when <laughs> when is it ever going to let up? When are you going to stop? Yeah, it's for me. It's like Hearthstone's mine. I I just like I kind of hate it. And I kind of don't hate it. Haha, you're playing Hearthstone. <laughs> Here and there, it's like really strange. I, I don't know why I uh, why I do it, but uh, I do it. I'm not going to let you talk me into that one, by the way. Oh no, I'm, I wouldn't. That's a okay. that's like that's like whatever those little figurines you collect are. Uh, I have no idea what you're talking about. They're not figurines. They're <laughs> Skylanders. <laughs> right, right. Oh wait, unless you mean the Disney Infinity things, because those aren't figurines. They're Disney Infinity figures. Yeah. Uh, Either either one. I was thinking of Infinity, then I was like, oh yeah, Skylanders. <laughs> yeah, how many Skylanders do you own? I got like nine or ten. Are, are you serious? You do have some? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say zero. Oh, no, no. Uh, I, got a, I got a few. Rob Harvey Chaplin from our forums <laughs> talked it up so much that I went out and got it. it it's pretty cool, actually. Uh, it's not a bad game. I, I recently, uh, this is kind of sad, I boxed all of my Disney Infinity figures. They are out of sight now uh, to make room for the Skylanders. Uh, it's sort of like, sorry, Disney Infinity, you guys got to go. There's new Skylanders I've got here, and they're going to sit on the shelf. Oh, my God, I can't, I, don't get me talking about Skylanders. Here's the deal with Skylanders. Uh, I, I live with my best friend who has a six-year-old boy. Those aren't my Skylanders in there. They're my friend's six-year-old son's Skylanders. Those aren't mine. Oh yeah, they're his. Obviously, yeah. Obviously. I just keep them out with my stuff, and you know they're 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 not mine. I don't play with that stuff. Please. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. Yeah, me either. Here's what I play, McMaster. I play brutally difficult games that just came out of an almost eternal 
early access phase called Darkest Dungeon. Yeah. Um, I am familiar with Darkest Dungeon. Oh my god, is it... Uh, it is I, hard it's, it's, it's really hard, and I kind of love that about it, but how can, I, how can I crank down the difficulty, do you know? There's got to be a setting somewhere. Like, how do I... Is there somewhere I can bump it down to easy? Uh, you know, uh, I don't think so. Rats. Well, I, one of the things I just figured out, uh, what you have to do in Darkest Dungeon is... And, and, and so many of these kinds of games, like RPGs or tactical games like XCOM, they train you uh, to not think of your characters as expendable. You know, keep them going at all costs, level them up, protect them. If you lose them, it's a big setback. That's not the case in Darkest Dungeon, I realized. Uh, your guys, before you level them up, just kick them out of there. You know, have them go through a dungeon and earn you some of the loot you need. And then if, they get, if they're going crazy or they get these, these uh, what are they called, like d- diseases or uh, quirks, that's the word. If they get quirks... Um, just send them packing. You don't need them around because they're free to recruit, basically. Right. Uh, yeah, that's a good so it's not like you invested in them. So, McMaster, I'm going to send you my save game. What I need you to do, take some level zeros through the beginner dungeon to earn me some like deeds and portraits and busts that I use to upgrade my town. Uh, just do a few of those for me. You can... The, the characters, you can get them killed or send, get them crazy or whatever. I just need you to grind me some deeds and portraits and busts. Can you do that with my save? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I, I love killing off your characters. You know, I, they're, not, they're, they're not mine. They're just brief hires. I don't care. So, exactly, get them killed. Uh, one of the, I love the, the style and there's a, a kind of a, a gallows humor that goes to it, uh, that goes with the game. Uh, when you first start off... One of the classes you get, I think it's called a, a Vester, a Vestral. Uh, it's basically your cleric, your, your healing class. Um, and I find she is indispensable. Like, you definitely need her to go through a dungeon. Uh, eventually you get a Jester who uh, plays music, and it makes your character's stress go down. And stress can be almost as important as hit points. So I've got my Vester or Vestral, whatever she's called, to heal health. And I've got my Jester, which, by the way, I named McMaster. Uh, I've got my jester to play music to lower my, my stress. Um, so the, the Vester, when you start off, she, the portrait just looks like a nun. Like she looks like a, a chick fresh out of the cloister. Uh, so I was thinking, okay, what's the name for a nun? Because I didn't want to use the default name. I mean, I, I imagine you're like me. You want to give them unique names so that you can remember them more clearly. Like, okay, which one is this? So I'm thinking, okay, what's a famous nun? Uh, Sister Sarah, because oh. there's some movie about giving her a mule. Yeah, I've never. I think it's a Clint yeah. Eastwood one, right? Oh, is it? I've never seen it. I just know the title because it's a or, weird title. It's either him or John Wayne. It's it's a very famous like cowboy actor. Right, right. It's the famous cowboy, and it's yeah. Sister Sarah gets a mule or something yeah. like that. So, I name my my healing chick Sister Sarah, and I imagine her as a nun. Now, one of her quirks, uh, and these can develop over time. Uh, the one that she started with is uh, when they build up stress, when you go back to town, you basically put them in the church or the tavern to lower their stress. And there are certain activities. In the church, you can uh, do prayer, flagellation, or meditation. Uh, and in the tavern, you can drink, gamble, and whore. Uh, so, Sister Sarah, uh, I'm going to send her to the church, but she's got a quirk where she refuses to pray or meditate. 
which just leaves flagellation, but that spot was taken by someone, so I couldn't do that. Uh, so Sister Sarah gambled, which I'm not proud of. At least I tried to get her to gamble, but another quirk she has is she likes to drink. So my nun healer chick between missions uh, goes and ties one on and gets really drunk. Uh, which is it's a little odd, but yeah. So I've got a drunken nun in my party, McMaster. What do you think of that? That is unusual in the uh, well ever. That's pretty unusual. Right. You don't you don't tend to see that a lot. No. Uh, uh, also, McMaster, one of my my favorite things in this game, you will run into. Uh, I'm still doing basically low level stuff, but one of the things you fight is uh, it's like a it's I think it's a, it's a maggot. Like you fight just a, a little maggot, and whenever you fight something. It's, it has special attacks. Like, nobody just has a default attack. Every attack is something special. The special attack of a maggot, McMaster, you ready for this? Yeah. Grave nibble. I, I hate it when I get grave nibbled. <laughs> nobody likes no. that. It's not what I'm feeling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, McMaster, you've been playing another RTS a little bit, right? You, you, you've sort of dipped your toe. Speaking of nibbling, you've dipped your toe into an RTS that is not StarCraft Two. What's up with that, and what is it? Uh, it's the new Homeworld. New Homeworld? No, there's an old one. There was the old one, and they remastered it. What else? You, what else? So you're playing the old Homeworld, right? Uh, sure. No, uh, it's no, it's a, it's a new one. It's got a, but it's all on the ground. Uh, you know, so it's not. Well, how can you fly up and fly down if you're on the ground? That's a good question. Yeah, you can't say you're you're stuck on a 2D plane. You cannot exhibit 3D thinking. That's that's a good point. Yeah. 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 So it's not really that homeworldly, but I guess you can uh you can uh, you know, zoom in and out. <laughs> well, you say it's not really that homeworldly, but it, it it still has that basic like you've got a mothership. Yeah. Uh, and the mothership can make like other I don't know, factory ships or production ships or whatever, depending on which side you are. Uh, and then you have a, a kind of uh, rigid paper, rock, scissors. Like the railgun shoots the armored guys, and the armored guy shoots the light attack vehicle, and the light attack vehicle shoots the railgun. Um, and that was a characteristic of Homeworld, if I'm not mistaken, is that kind of rigid weapon balance of, amongst different ships. Um, so what is the aesthetic of this game, McMaster? If it's not spaceships... You know, what the aesthetic of this game is to me is that it's Dune 2. You know, that's what I was thinking. Is like <laughs> it, needs a, it really needs a sandworm, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's like the first time I saw it. I was like, man, that's real Dune. I mean, I, I know, obviously. It's not exactly like it, but it's just like the, the, the desert uh, you know, landscape and everything just like immediately... Like, well, it's what Dune would be if it was like a, a modern-day take on it with these huge tractors yeah. with enormous tires that dwarf, that make the people look like ants and yeah. and just these huge buggies driving around in the, in the sand. And uh, it remind, Did you see Moon, the, the Sam Rockwell movie that Duncan Jones oh, yeah, directed? Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah. yeah, it makes me think of like that buggy he was driving oh, yeah. around in. Uh, and I love that bit. Yeah, so I, I really like that that just tractor aesthetic that it has. And McMaster, instead of a, a mothership, what do we get? Oh, it's pretty neat, actually. It's like a giant yeah. like land crawler carrier thing that produces uh, your vehicles and all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, that, that thing's pretty cool. Uh, you know, it's like a mobile base. 
Yeah, imagine like taking, you mentioned like a sand crawler, uh, a Jawa sand crawler, and then shaving the top of it and sticking on there uh, an aircraft carrier like platform, like on the top. And it's just an aircraft carrier that drives around in giant treads on the desert. Yeah, yeah it's that's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, uh, so far, I think it's it's pretty interesting. I, I love the graphic style, like I said, Dune 2. Uh, but on top of that, I, I like all the things you can do with the, uh, you know, with the carrier itself. I like having to shift all the different systems around and stuff. Oh, right. You invest in, like, points of power and right. decide, yeah, is this going to turrets or, I don't know, production or whatever. Yeah, I do like that as well. Is that, and it's been so long, did motherships do that in home? Yeah, that's what I was trying to remember, too, but it has been a really long time since I've played yeah. as well. And it was like, I don't know if that's new or not, but I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, have you tried – so uh, what modes can you play in and what have you tried? I have only played around with the campaign right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, the modes you can play – oh, God, what what all can you play in it? Well, it's it's basically just skirmish or campaign. That's, what I, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, and, and multiplayer, of course. Like skirmish and multiplayer is the same, but skirmish is multiplayer with an AI. Right. Right, yeah. And um, – yeah, it's uh, it's something I want to get spend more time with. It just uh, kind of it just it actually came out um, today, I think, or yesterday. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's new. I mean, we've had press builds right, for right, a while. Right, but, right. Uh, uh, so my problem with the campaign is, I, you know, even though I'm not a fan of of the campaigns like in StarCraft Two, where uh, you play a mission, and it's scripted, and whatever. You basically zerg your way through it and just build up a big ball of units and do a scrubbing bubbles maneuver over the map and win the game, whatever. Uh, but then between the missions, Blizzard knows enough to give you, hey, do you want to upgrade this or this? Do you want to put points in that or this? They give you little busy work, like campaign-level meta stuff to do. Um, I don't think there's any of that in this campaign in Homeworld. It's just... Uh, straight up, you know, like 12 canned missions. Um, and I just, I, that, that's such an old school way to do an RTS campaign that I, yeah. I, I think I lose interest pretty quickly. Um, yeah, um, that, which is, campaigns are kind of hard to do in these games and make them interesting in a way. Uh, yeah, with, without some sort of cool meta layer. Because at first in this, you're moving around like a map of the desert on some ancient world where... Uh, and actually, this is interesting. Homeworld begins, and it seems completely random, with people on a planet discovering a crazy, powerful artifact in the middle of the desert, and it turns out that artifact is your mothership. And so the game begins with you having the mothership out in space and running it through tests and then sending it off onto missions. Um, and this homeworld well, – by the way, what's – is it desert? Desert deserts of Karak. Okay, right. Uh, Desert of Karak kind of has the same thing, where you have your huge aircraft carrier, land crawler, and the first mission is running the systems check and then sending it out. Right. Um, but in Homeworld, that's kind of random that, wait a minute, so this mothership I found on a desert planet, and now I'm flying it around? Okay, whatever, that's some weird backstory. So this whole ga- game is that backstory. It's about the quest to find that mothership slash artifact in the middle of a, of a desert planet. Uh, so if you care about that story, I guess that's kind of a draw to go through these campaign missions. Um, so with the skirmish mission, I, I tried. I booted up a skirmish because I just wanted to get a sense for 
the two different factions. Uh, and I, I put it on easy because I still don't know all the units, and I just wanted to mess around with it and sort of see what does what. Uh, I immediately got, I don't know about rushed, because it's it's fair. I mean, rushed is a tactic. The, the AI just sent these crappy little units over who just kind of hung back and plinked away at my aircraft carrier. Uh, and I was like, wait, guys, don't you're uneasy. Quit attacking me so early. Uh, I still need to figure out what stuff does. So I played like three skirmish missions and, and lost every, every single one of them. Uh, so I want to play you, McMaster, because I'm guessing you're too timid to rush me. Yes, probably, because I don't really know the game that well. So I, uh, I probably would, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to host a game, and it's going to be no rush 30 minutes. No rush 30 minutes? Yeah. All right. Now, I mean, I can rush you, but you, you can't just rush yeah, me. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I remember those games from Age of Empires 3. <laughs> right, right, the no rush is for you. Right, like, oh, I yeah. can do, I, I mean, I just don't want you to feel, I, I don't want you to feel confused by different strategies. So I'm just helping you by letting you focus on not rushing me. Because, you know, that way you can do other things. I just don't want you to be too confused. Oh, yeah, no, I appreciate it. So when we play Homeworld Deserts of Karak, no rush 30 minutes. I might send a couple of guys over to harass you. you don't. Yeah, know, that's, no big that's good old-fashioned uh, ribbing. Yeah, it's just to keep you on your toes. <laughs> right. It's good old uh, all right, so uh, Desert of... What, say it again. Karak? Karak? What, what, Desert what's of the name Karak, of? I believe. All right. Uh, Darkest Dungeons, StarCraft II, Heart Legacy of the Void. Uh, McMaster, I, I don't normally do this. I've been playing an early access game. Oh, God. I know, I know. Uh, but they swear it's feature complete. They say that, okay, we're just doing, like, balancing and tweaking. And, and I was like, well, I'll boot it up and take a look. And suddenly I have, like, a level 28 character in a game called Grim Dawn, uh, oh. which is a very very di- Diablo-y... You know, it's an action RPG from the guys that did Titan Quest. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I love those guys. Um, I actually uh, have that game as well, but I haven't played it, uh, which is weird. I donated to it years ago. So I'm, I'm guessing, McMaster, what I'm hearing you say is that in Grim Dawn, your highest level character is zero, and my highest level character is 28. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. That would be it. Huh. Huh. Alright, so it sounds like I'm a little better than you at Grim Dawn. It does. It does sound like you're, uh, <laughs> you're a professional. Uh, when playing Grim Dawn, my first overwhelming response to it was... I could just be playing Diablo 3. Uh, and it might be a little unfair. Um, it, Like any good action RPG, it has its own systems and its unique foibles and appeal. And in Grim Dawn, it maybe takes a little longer than normal for those things to emerge. So basically, level 1 through 10 of Grim Dawn is you thinking, I could be playing Diablo 3. Then, at level 10, they do something cool. Uh, and you're like, oh, okay, maybe I'll play this a little longer. And it's basically between levels 10 and 20 or 25 that it starts folding in the different systems that give the game its appeal and its unique personality. Uh, and uh, I will point these out, but I will also say, unlike uh, a lot of uh, Diablo pretender, well, a lot of action RPGs, and I'm thinking of a good one called Paths of Exile here, um, most of them have a hard time equaling that just gratifying moment-to-moment smackiness of Diablo 3. 
where you've either got a witch doctor and he's sending out frogs and vases that shatter, or you're doing a crazy barbarian, barbarian whirlwind thing. Um, like there's there's just a really I'm going to use this word, but there's this really kind of visceral, just hey, this is awesome hack and slash action, uh, and it just really keeps you moving forward. It's super gratifying to just kill stuff and break things in Diablo 3, and that is an accomplishment of, of artwork and animation and certainly sound effects. Blizzard's really good with that stuff. And an otherwise really intricate, cool character-building action RPG like Paths of Exile, or there's an old one called Sacred 2, which I really like. Uh, the character-building in those might be great, but that moment-to-moment hack-and-slash isn't as fulfilling as what Blizzard has done. Well, Grim Dawn, not quite the level of Blizzard, but Grim Dawn does a really good job with that moment-to-moment smackiness. Um, And I credit that with it pulling me forward through ten levels that were otherwise kind of unremarkable. Uh, Is it really feels good to kill things and break stuff in in that game. Um, But over the long term, uh, what I feel it does to really uh, keep you going... Uh, like Titan Quest, the first few, I think, ten levels, you're just one class. You pick a class. There's eight classes, and, you know, there's like a sorcerer, demolitionist, soldier, nightblade, whatever. You kind of know these archetypes. Yeah. And you're playing one, and you've got a tech a skill tree, and you're playing for ten levels, and you're bumping up skills, whatever. You get to level ten. Titan Quest did this. Grim Dawn does this. At level ten, it says, okay, you've been playing that class. Now, pick a second class. So you're basically playing two skill trees, and there's this kind of peanut butter and chocolate dynamic where you mix and match whatever skills you want from whatever two classes you pick. Um, and that's a really uh, – like that, that, that's a powerful draw uh, is being able to get this sense of creating your own build with all these combinatorial possibilities between any two classes from among – it's eight or ten, I think eight classes. Uh, and furthermore – you have something called uh, devotions, and I don't know why they call this. I know why they call it devotions. Uh, as you're playing around on the map, and unlike Diablo 2, by the way, Grim Dawn has a Diablo 3. Grim Dawn has a fixed map. It's always the same. Uh, they'll block when you start a game. They'll randomly block certain passages, so maybe you have to go different directions to get to places. But it's the same familiar map, and when you explore it. It's explored. Monsters will respawn. But you've seen it. You know it's there. There's this sense of uncovering territory that isn't in Diablo 3 because the territory always shifts and shuffles and gets re-randomly procedurally generated. Not so in Grim Dawn. There's a world. You unfog it or you don't unfog it. So there's this good sense of, okay, I've got to explore this corner. Okay, that, I'm going to go see what's over there. Uh, And it's fixed, and it's always going to be there. Um, So as you're exploring, there are things that you find called shrines, and each shrine gives you a devotion point. Now, those words, shrine and devotion, those are thematically connected. doesn't really matter. You're not really worshipping. You go to the shrine, you pay a price, you fight some monsters, you get a point to spend in this devotion tree. And the devotion tree is a constellation. Uh, it's a bunch of stars arranged in constellations. And the constellations are like a snake or a scorpion or a ram or a demon or a bat or whatever. And every time you complete one of them by getting devotion points that you earn by finding these shrines at their fixed spots, uh, you get some cool character trait or bonus. 
So the combinatorial goodies that go into any character build in Grim Dawn are which two classes you pick, which constellations you complete, and then finally a really good gear system where certain gear, and this is all craftable, you make it however you want, also gives you special abilities or powers. You know, when you when you get gear in Diablo, it improves your stats, or maybe it gives you a couple of bonus levels in a particular ability with your class. Uh, gear in Grim Dawn gives you a completely new ability. Um, so if you shoot fireballs, you know, maybe you're playing a, ca- a class that can't shoot fireballs. If you get the right gear and you craft it correctly and put the right little affixed gem thing on it, you got a character who can shoot fireballs. Uh, so I, I really like the configurability of it. I like the moment-to-moment gratification of the hack and slash. Uh, and remarkably enough, I've gotten through 28 levels, uh, and after about 10 levels, I stopped thinking, well, I could be playing Diablo 3. So there you go. <laughs> All right, McMaster, so you've got 28 levels to catch up on. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, I'll, I'll get that. I'll get that tonight. All right, so my master, I need you to just pick a healing class and only put your skills in healing and just follow me around and heal me. Oh. Uh, and don't kill any stuff. I don't want you taking my experience. Just, like, follow me, and if I take a little damage, like, use one of your healing spells. Oh, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's fair. Is- I think the class is actually called... A, so your two classes, McMaster, yeah. from one to, to ten, I need you to play the squire class. Okay. And then when you get to level ten... I want you to fold in the, the sidekick class. I like the so yeah, you're, you'll be playing a dual sidekick slash squire. Yeah, um, and for constellations, uh, there's just a little uh, staff of Hermes for healing. Just fill in that constellation to boost your healing skills, and just make sure I don't lose any health points. So. Oh yeah, we can play this co-op. Can't we? Oh, and it, yeah, it absolutely has like a, you know multiplayer and stuff online, uh, so that I can have someone. You know, I can have a, a squire slash sidekick tag along and heal me. I mean, yeah. obviously. I need that. Right, right. That just uh, <laughs> uh, all right, McMaster, anything uh, coming out? Oh, McMaster, you know it's coming out in about a week. What's that? I've been waiting for this for a while. Seriously? Do you not know? Like, if I tell you what's up in a week, do you not? are you not just, like, salivating and rubbing your hands together in anticipation about a specific release that has not yet come out on the Xbox One, despite, well... It's only come out on the Xbox One, which basically uh, is synonymous with no, with not having come out. Was, but do you know what's out in a week? That's next week. Oh wow! Oh, do you know what it is? Uh, I'm I'm thinking maybe you're just you're, Tomb you're trying to right? trick. Exactly, Rise of the Tomb Raider finally comes out oh. on a system that's not irrelevant. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it uh, it does feel pretty irrelevant. Um, that Xbox. When's the last time you booted yours up? Um, it's not plugged in, so... <laughs> exactly. It has been a while. <laughs> so, no lie, McMaster, and I actually did not even intend... I didn't set this up to point this out. Um, I, I've, I've, gone through, I, I've gone to serious lengths to know nothing about Rise of the Tomb Raider. I've accidentally seen... I think I saw a screenshot where like she's fighting a bear or whatever. Uh, oh, which makes me think of The Revenant, by the way. Um, but I, I've... Uh, I, I know nothing about Rise of the Tomb Raider. I've, I've, I'm blissfully ignorant, so I'm looking forward to just starting with a blank slate and seeing what's up uh, with the follow-up. I know that a lot of folks have liked it on the Xbox One, uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, 
and I could have played on the Xbox One. I have one, but I'm just going to wait for it to come out on the, the PC or the PS4, which is next week. Uh, so I am going from recording this podcast with Master to GameStop to return an unopened copy of Halo 5 that I gave to my best friend's six-year-old son because he loves playing Halo split-screen. Uh, and, yeah. and there's none in Halo. So I bought him for uh, his, his birthday... Uh, actually, for Christmas, I got him something. His birthdays are on Christmas. But for, but for Christmas, I got him a copy of Halo 5. And I was like, yeah, we can play this split screen. It'll be awesome. Uh, and he opened it, and he seemed super excited. And I was looking on the back, and I did a little research. Then there's no split screen in, ha- in Halo 5. Ridiculous. It's the first one, too, right? That they haven't done that in. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So that is going back to GameStop, and we're uh, literally, as soon as we record, we're driving there to return it, and he can just pick up whatever else he wants. Um, but in lieu of playing uh, Halo 5 split screen, you know what we have been playing? What? Do you know what shooter that's acceptable for, for, for kids who's... Uh, I might have called him six years old, by the way. He's, he's 11 years old. If I said six years old before, I was wrong. Uh, what we've been playing that has split screen that's acceptable for an 11-year-old. A shooter. Does anything come to mind? Splatoon. Oh, that's a good pick. <laughs> uh, but no, no, it's it's. Uh, I think he might look at Splatoon and think that's too kiddie. Uh, this one is not kiddie. As a matter of fact, it is recently, and for you as well, particularly relevant. Destiny? How is that relevant? <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> By the way, does, does Destiny have split screen? I don't if it if it does, I'm newly interested. No, I don't think it does. I think it's okay. online only. I think it's MMO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Now, this has split screen. Oh. It's particularly relevant, and especially to you, to to most of us, it's been relevant for several weeks now. To you, it's only relevant as of a couple of nights ago. Jesus, I don't. This doesn't make. We've played it, and you played it wrong. <laughs> I played it wrong. <laughs> yep. You played it dead wrong because oh. I told you to be Princess Leia and let me be right, Darth Vader. Right, okay, right. Battle. You did not do that. You know, you, you know that was their plan too. I think uh, was to get a younger audience, uh, a friendlier audience. Um, oh well, yeah, like a, a wider audience. Yeah, I think yeah. like uh, yeah, without all the douchebaggery you get in a Call of Duty game, uh, without necessarily the, the. I mean, there is no violence. I mean, there's. Stormtroopers get shot, but except for that one little bit in the beginning of Force Awakens, Stormtroopers don't bleed. Um, no, yeah, that was the most violent Stormtrooper thing ever. I think that's the most violent thing in Star Wars ever, basically. Cause, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe you're right. Oh, you know what? The hand that Obi-Wan cuts off of that thing in... Uh, oh, yeah, in, the arm. He, yeah, he chops yeah. that dude's arm off in the bar in Isley, right. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of a... That's like a horror movie-ish kind of thing. Like, yeah. It's a shame... It's a shame you don't get more dismemberment stuff. There was that one Raven st- was like there was a Star Wars game that had like dismemberment technology. I remember uh, where you actually slicing apart stormtroopers. I forget which one that was. Um, <laughs> That's pretty awesome. But so we've been playing uh, uh, Star Wars Battlefront instead of Halo Five because it's got a lot of cool split screen co op stuff. There's the single player missions that you can earn stars in. Uh, there's a really good survival mode. Yeah. Uh, there's the head-to-head modes. Um, you know, for a game that I think got unfairly dinged for... Not unfairly dinged. For a game that got dinged for not having any sort of single-player campaign, there's a lot of single-player and co-op content in, in Star Wars Battlefront. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, my only problem with that game is the is the price thing. That's my only. Oh right, right, right. Like that, that yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that's I'm okay with it until I start seeing what content I'm missing out on for not paying the exorbitant price for the seasons pass. Like once once they start releasing maps that I want to play on, then I'll grouse about it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. That uh, that's just kind of bizarre to me, but that's EA man. They're going to challenge everything. You know how they do. <laughs> well, it you know it's kind of uh, one of the things about Star Wars Battlefront. It's review proof and it's probably price tag proof. Yeah. You know, with the the popularity of Force Awakens, they could charge one hundred fifty dollars for that thing, and people yeah. would buy it. Star Wars. You know, what are you going to do? Not buy it? Please. Yeah. No. Yeah. They're going to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Maybe I'll maybe I'll talk Kiernan into trading in. Halo 5 for the season's pass for Battlefront. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think they've released anything yet, but they probably... No, there was a free downloadable uh, yeah, the Battle of... Yeah. yeah, which yeah. is kind of funny, because like in the movie, it's just it's just Tatooine. I mean, <laughs> right, exactly. And the fact Who that... Who do they think they're tricking? Other yeah. than that, they've announced like they're not going to do any new content for it, so why is well, that... No, yeah, no, right, no Force Awakens specific content. Except that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, McMaster, don't even be thinking you're going to be able to summon BB-8. Oh, no, I yeah. wouldn't even dream of it. That's not a power-up for you. You can't play as Poe Dameron. No. Yeah, don't yet. don't even think about it. No. So, All right, so McMaster, uh, you need to work on your Grim Dawn character, because yeah. last I checked, I've got a 28-level lead on you. Um, get, on that, yeah. level, uh, get, get me some busts, portraits, and deeds in Darkest Dungeon. Um... And I'll see you online in StarCraft 2. So, uh, listeners, I will be back next week with a a, a podcast in which I'm going to talk to several different developers, uh, board game developers. I know some of you are rolling your eyes and you're groaning. Uh, these are some really cool board games, including uh, one that I rec- uh, I'll just tease this one that I, that I gave a five star review, one that is not out yet, but that is a Kickstarter that I got a prototype of that I really really like. And another one that is, let's see, how can I team, uh, tease this one? Uh, McMaster, do you like steampunk? Yeah. Everybody likes steampunk. Sure. It's super popular. Next to zombies, it's super popular, right? Right, yeah. So this is a, uh, a really cool expression of steampunk in a board game. So these three developers, I'm going to have interviews with all of them next week. I invite everyone to, uh, to join me for that. Uh, and we'll see everyone here next week.